from the studios of WNCU 90.7 FM, welcome to Mastering Your Money, where your personal and business finances meets your independence plan. I'm your host, Ed Fulbright, CPA, BFS. Real estate serves us all in so many ways. It can build generational wealth contribute to financial independence, and provide a home to those who cannot afford to buy or who choose not to. It can also be your legacy to others in that you left it better than you found it and help others along the way. Investing in real estate is good for you and those whom you serve. But where do you start? It seems like it can be overwhelming, but how do you know the advice you're receiving is meant for you? How can you discern what you need to know? You need a trusted advisor or mentor, someone who has already walked the path and you have started down who can help lead the way. Joining us for our discussion on positive cash flow properties is Brian Boyd, who is calling in from his Nashville, Tennessee office. As a lawyer in Nashville, Tennessee, Brian helps clients with real estate, construction, and business matters. It is with that knowledge, he and his wife, Dawn, have grown their portfolio to a six-figure income. Brian earned a BA from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, a JD from Stamford University, Columbia School of Law, and a LLM in taxation from Georgetown University of Law. When not practicing law or working with Don on real estate ventures, Brian can be found on the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mat at his local gym. He is the author of Replace Your Income. Welcome to Mastering Your Money, Brian Boyd. Well, thank you for having me this morning, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, good. I am glad you could take time out of your busy schedule. Now, Brian, your book is entitled Replace Your Income, A Lawyer's Guide to Finding Funding and Managing Real Estate Investing. How challenging is it for you to get your first two properties, not to mention two positive cash flow properties? Well, that, that's a great question. I think the how hard it is is really up to, to the person looking. So, for example, when I look for properties and when I encourage clients to look and help them look, I look at the rents in the areas and then I work backwards. So, for example, if I want to find a two-bedroom, one-bath property that is paying $1,000 a month, I will look in that area for rents that are paying that dollar amount, and then I will look for a house probably under $100,000. Okay. So if I can find a house under $100,000 that's paying $1,000 a month, which is the 1% rule, Yes. that's how I will work backwards to find the right property. Okay. Now, that sounds like a nice rule of thumb, but how realistic, especially like you live in Nashville. So I don't know if it's like 
properties around here, it's far it's hard to find a property under a hundred thousand dollars or at a hundred thousand. And that is a great point. I don't invest in Nashville. Ah, in okay. fact, I don't, my properties. I've got fourteen properties in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've got two properties in Brownsville, Tennessee. I've got one property in Knoxville, Tennessee. So your point is well taken in that the home values in the Middle Tennessee market around Nashville, especially, you can't get the 1% or 2% rule. It's not possible anymore. Maybe okay. back in 2013 it would have been, but yes. it's not now. Yes. So I look in markets outside of major markets like this. Okay. For example, if I were going to stay in Middle Tennessee, I would draw a circle around Nashville and I would want to be 25 miles to 50 miles outside of Nashville to look for that 1% rule. Okay. Okay. So then I'm assuming you have to bring in property management and not do the property managing yourself. No. Actually, my wife and I run our portfolio in Chattanooga and Knoxville. Okay. And so how how does that work? Kind of educate our listeners how you're able to do that. I mean, I'm assuming that that's your wife's only job, but I'm also concerned that your wife may, uh, you know, it may be maybe something a little bit difficult on your wife or maybe, unfortunately, could be dangerous. No, not at all. My wife, uh, this is not her only job. She's a full-time medical science liaison for oh. a pharmaceutical company. Okay. So that is her full-time job. And I'm in my law office this morning working on a deal for a company out of New York buying property in Tennessee. So the way it works is we use an online platform. It's called Buildium. And we screen our tenants. Our tenants communicate with us through the program. They pay all their rent online. And we have vendors. For example, we have a house in Chattanooga right now that we're turning, getting ready for a new tenant. And that contractor is texting my phone while we talk and showing me pictures of the work he's done. Okay. So what happens is we we just juggle more balls. I got you. But once you get the properties kind of moving, they just kind of run themselves. Okay. Tenants pay their rent. They communicate through the, the text portal. They pay the rent through the text portal. If they have a, a maintenance issue, they, they send it through the portal and put a ticket in, and we send maintenance out to deal with it. Okay. Okay. So you have standard maintenance people, or does this online portal help you with finding good maintenance people we have maintenance people that we have found along the way okay but there are programs and there are platforms out there like angie's list or thumbtack or you know other board postings where you can find people looking to do maintenance work on properties okay okay and um so if it's your normal repair people, they may already have keys for those properties. But if you're bringing somebody new on board, how does that work? 
Well, if we're bringing somebody new on board, we have lock boxes for all the properties. Ah, and we have okay. we have a you know it's a punch code, and we leave the key in there, and we leave the the lock box you know around the house somewhere, and say, hey, here's the code. Get the key. Go in the house. Take care of this. Please lock up when you're finished. Send us a photo of the before and after, and please show us that you've locked the door when you left. Okay. And so we just get photos of that confirming everything's been done. Okay. All right, and that makes that makes sense, and that's pretty easy. Everybody has a smartphone, so that that works pretty well. Well, sounds like you have a good system there, and you're using technology. So you have to purchase a certain level of property because your customers and your um, vendors have to have uh, internet access. Well, yes. So most of our vendors, they do have smartphones, and we have an app that is associated with our management portfolio, and they just download the app. We put them into the app as a vendor, and then they can just open the app and communicate with us, and the the tenants do that as well. So they don't necessarily need internet. They have a smartphone. They can communicate with us. Okay. All right. So as long as they have a smartphone, they're they're in good shape. They don't have to have internet running through their whole house. But if they do, they may be able to communicate with you from their laptop, and that that makes sense. So now, your specialty. Let's talk about when you specialize in real estate or you invest in one type of real estate. Um, how do you select your, I guess, ideal property? That's a good question. Um, I have an adage that I preach to all my clients and everybody I talk with about real estate, and it's aim small, miss small. So if if you're looking to invest in your first rental property, don't go out and buy the five-bedroom, six-bath house and expect to make <laughs> tons of money every month. That's not a good idea. No, you're, I, you're not buying it for yourself. <laughs> right. This is not where you're living. This is you're providing housing to somebody else. So my, my advice is, look, buy that two-bedroom, one-bath house. Buy that. That will stay rented. In fact... And that's if you're looking in long term. But in fact, if you're looking to generate a lot more wealth over the course of time, I would suggest they look at short-term rentals. In areas like in Tennessee, we have this area called Gatlinburg yes. over in northeast Tennessee. And we have, my wife and I have a couple of cabins over there, and they just stay rented. Okay. And we do have property managers for that because they're on the, like an Airbnb program. So they are constantly rented. And they generate a lot more money. Yes. But what I need everybody to understand about real estate is this is not a get-rich-quick program. This is, hey, you're going to make wealth. You're going to make generational wealth. You're going to be you know, fat and happy. But it takes time. Yes. It takes effort. And you need to be smart about it. Don't have knee-jerk reactions. Don't be the first one to put a bid in. See where things are. See if you can negotiate down, especially in the current market. You know, things aren't going for 
thousands of dollars over ask anymore. You're starting to get back to our norm, which is pre-COVID levels, where you can negotiate the price a little bit more instead of getting into multiple bid situations. And, and that makes sense. You know, you take your time. Now, you know, I would also tell people that they have to be able to deal with rejection uh, or taking some no's in the process, but that's okay. It's about you making money on your purchase. And I think that's one of the things that people have to really, really understand. No, that that's true. Um, not every offer you make is going to get, get accepted. Believe me, you get used to rejection, and it's just part of business. Yes. It's not personal. It's just business. They got a better offer. That's fine. Move on. There's going to be another deal. Yes, yes. And that's what people need to understand. There's always another deal. Yep. And, and that Don't makes worry a lot, about the one in front of you. That makes a lot of sense, Brian. So for those of you who just joined us, the name of the program is Mastering Your Money. I'm Ed Fulbright, CPA, PFS. We've been discussing positive cash flow properties with Brian Boyd, author of Replace Your Income. You're listening to us on WNCU 90.7 FM. We'll be back with more information after this break with more tips for your independence plan. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and We can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is 90.7 FM WNCU. Welcome back to Mastering Your Money on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Ed Fulbright, CPA PFS. We've been discussing positive cash flow properties with Brian Boyd. And he's the author of Replace Your Income. And in that uh, process that we were talking about is that Brian made an excellent point that maybe you can't look at properties in the exact area you are living in. Maybe you have to go 25 or 50 miles out to look at these properties. You're trying to find properties that you can pay basically 1% of whatever the rental income. So if you're getting $1,000 a month, you will be able to rent a property for 
I mean, you'll be able to buy the property for $100,000. So uh, you'll then need to come up with down payment money. You know, one of the things, Brian, that we didn't talk about is what do you need to get in place before you start looking? That's a great point, and I have a chapter in the book about it. And there are several things people need to get in place personally they need to make sure that they have their finances together. Yes. That's always important because this is going to be a, it's a financial transaction. So there's going to be a bank involved. They're going to underwrite you. So you want to make sure that you have, you know, three months of pay stubs, you have plenty of money in the bank. And I'm not talking about money to retire on. I'm talking about at least three months of reserves for the property you're buying. So the bank knows you can pay that note while you're trying to get it rented. That's important. Um, make sure your credit's good. You know, if you have any deems on your credit, go clear those up. The next thing I would say is put your team together. Talk to real estate agents. Talk to a bookkeeper. Go meet with a lawyer. Talk to a CPA. These are your team. Everybody is working towards the same goal, and they all bring different strengths to the table. For example, I'm a lawyer. We didn't need to go meet with the lawyer. I do this every day. Yes. But I am not a CPA. I have a tax background, but I don't crunch numbers. So I actually have a CPA and a bookkeeper, two separate people, because <laughs> I don't keep books. I don't know how to keep books. Yes. I can balance my checkbook, but that's not my strength. Yes. And then I have multiple bankers. I, I probably you. have three or four bankers. And that's because... Some banks have certain products that I like to use. Other banks have different products. It depends on the deal and what I'm looking to do. So put your team together. That's important. Once you you. have gotten your finances together and you've got your team together, go look at properties. Go drive the neighborhoods. Go interview people in the area. What do they like about the area? What don't they like about the area? Look them up on Yelp. You know, find out about that community you're investing in because you are investing in a community when you buy real estate. Yes. And that's the most important part that you understand the area that you're buying in so that you can understand whether or not that area is starting to change or whether it's for good or for bad. You want to make sure that you understand that so that you can get out before it goes bad. That's true. Alternatively, for example, in Chattanooga, we have two houses on the same street on opposite ends of the street. Okay. Recently, we went in and rehabbed both of those houses. They are now the best-looking houses on that street. They have new roofs, new siding, new windows, new doors, new kitchens. So we are driving the change on that street. Okay. Okay, and that makes sense that you're driving the change, so you're one of the better-looking houses there Uh, are you able to make a positive cash flow on it? Absolutely. And let me give you a few numbers to work with here. We bought these houses for $40,000 a piece in 2019. Okay. We just put $25,000 to $30,000 a piece into these houses. 
Okay. So we're all we're all in at about seventy thousand, seventy five thousand dollars per house. On one house, we're making thirteen hundred and fifty dollars a month in rent. Okay. On the other house, we're making a thousand dollars a month in rent. So we are well within that one percent, possibly moving to two percent rule. Yes, and that's that's excellent. Sounds like you've done some great homework and you've picked the right areas, uh, and you have to be willing to travel a little bit out of your comfort zone, or it's not a quick drive-by type type of deal. Now, one question we like to ask all our guest is what is the best advice you've ever received you know that's a good question and the best advice i've ever received and i use it daily in my life is talk less and listen more from your interpersonal relationships to your business relationships to the deals you see in front of you listen more because you're going to learn more about what is not being said if you just listen. Okay. Elaborate a little bit on that uh, just listening part. Right. So when people talk about, hey, I have this property, it's for sale, you know, here's the price, here's what it's going to cash flow, they're not, te- they're not telling you everything. They're right. not telling you why they're selling it. They're not telling you what struggles they've had with it they're not telling you you know what is are they taking a loss on it are they making a massive profit i don't care either way but i need to know the whys behind the deal why are you selling this deal or why why do you want me to buy this deal what is it about me that you want me involved in this deal um and you learn to listen you learn to see body language you learn to to hear for the things that you're not hearing. Okay. And that's really important when you see enough deals in front of you. Sometimes if it's too good to be true, it really is too good to be true. <laughs> and there's a reason it's a problem. There's a reason that deal is, you know, so available. Yeah. Yes. It looks so good. And the question is, you need to understand why that looks so good um, and why, what risk that is untold that you may be experiencing or may, be, may cause some things to happen. I know when I looked at real estate, there were some rental, uh, room rental houses that they were trying to get maximum uh, value for or price for it in which they did cash flow correctly but what I was experiencing is that these properties were uh, maybe not zoned correctly to be a room rental type uh, situation and that you could have problems with the zoning people if you bought it. And, you know, the questions I was running into is people wanted to, you know, take back a little bit of uh, owner financing so they could get the higher price. But 
I, you know, I ended up shying away because I thought it was at a greater potential to be a headache than for it to be a, a cash flowing property. Yeah, and there are often issues with zoning, and I tend to stay away from owner financing. I, you know, if I'm going to be in a deal, I want to go ahead and take the house, take the property, take the onus of the debt service on that property on myself and get the old owner out. I got I don't you. want any confusion about who owns this property and what what's going to happen with this property. So um, for me, if there's a zoning issue, because I do rent out single family homes and multifamily homes, I don't want a, a situation that suddenly I'm buying a property that just got zoned commercial. I, I don't need you. that. I need residential zoning because these are homes for people, for people that go to work every day and come home. They don't want the headache of a, you know, a city inspector walking around all the time. They just, they, these are hardworking people that do their jobs, pay their rent, and they just need a safe place to live. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. So how do you determine a good investment strategy for this real estate? Well, that's, that's up to the individual. So my wife and I are invested in long-term and short-term properties. Okay. So we do have part of our portfolio that is short-term rental. We have some cabins in Gatlinburg. We've got an Airbnb out west. And um, we have multifamily and single-family. What I will say about single-family and multifamily long-term rentals is – it is steady. You know what you're going to make. It is solid. It is like the, you know, certificate of deposit at the bank. Okay. Not a lot of money, but you know what? It's consistent. It's there every month. You're getting appreciation every year, year over year. You can raise rents, you know, as they move with the market. With short-term rentals, you know, you're at the the whims of seasonal markets. Right. So in our house out in out West, that is a great place to go vacation in the summer. It's got a, a t mild temperate climate in the summer, great lakes, wonderful rivers, very outdoorsy. The same is true of Gatlinburg where our cabins are. Yes. But in the winter, these places don't stay rented. You know, we're right. lucky that they pay for themselves. So we use that summer income to get us through the year. Yeah. Now, year over year, they get better and better and better as the algorithms on the Airbnb and the VRBO programs keep moving. But that's important for people to understand. Yes. That it's not going to be consistently, I'm making $10,000 a month every right. month on this property. That's not true. These are seasonal. <laughs> it's like you have to be, you got to weather the seasonality of it or like when COVID hit, I don't know if you were in these properties at that time, but, did you, but did you experience a, uh, I guess, basically a poor cash flow at that time? So that's a great question. I know a lot of people are were concerned about that. You know, we stayed cash positive. Okay. Were we making 100% of our rents every month? No, we weren't. There were people getting behind. Obviously, we couldn't evict them. You know, there were programs out there to try to help 
you know, sure. landlords like us that sure. still had to pay these notes. But we still saw a good seasonal migration to the, to the air Brian, I need to stop you right there. In closing, what do you want our listeners to remember? That real estate is a wonderful way to invest long-term for not only you, but for your legacy, for your children and their children. Real estate is a great way to do it, and there's something out there for everybody in the real estate world. Wonderful. I'd like to thank Brian Boyd for his time and information. And for more information on Brian Boyd, you may visit his website, BrianTBoyd.com. For our listeners, our discussion today can be summarized into four thoughts. One, take responsibility for where you are at the moment because your best thoughts have gotten you to where you are. Two, You must be willing to change to get different results in your life. Three, create a great vision for yourself and become persistent in your pursuit of this vision. Don't let the first roadblock stop your vision. Fourth and finally, create your own happiness. Life is too short to not live it being happy. Remember, your money and your life are terrible things to waste. I'd like to thank Willie Jolly for his theme music. Mastering Your Money is recorded in the studios of WNCU 90.7 FM. Listen to archive shows at WNCU.org. And for more info on Mastering Your Money, visit MasteringYourMoney.com to turbocharge your drive on the Financial Freedom Highway. Thank you for tuning in and join us next week.